Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello there, welcome back to another teaching of Grace Life Tours, where we're going to discover more about the true nature of God. Today, this will be the very last teaching in this series, and I am excited to be sharing personally with you some very simple truths about what do we do when things go wrong, and why things do go wrong. So, get your Bible, get a notebook, grab some water or some coffee or tea. I finished my coffee already. Relax and let's get into the Word together. Father, we want to worship you for who you are. We want to praise you for your Word. Thank you that we can come with expectant hearts to discover the reality of not just our Christian faith, but of the God that we have. God Almighty, a sovereign God, but an awesome God, a wonderful truth giver, life giver, and purpose giver. Thank you, Lord, that as we get into the word now, that we are together drawing from these wells of everlasting eternal salvation. And whether the, the, what we learn is absolutely revelational, as if we've never heard it, or whether it's something that we've heard, but we need to continue hearing it. Thank you that we are growing step by step, day by day, so that more and more we will really live in the reality of our Christian faith. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, I've spent weeks now basically teaching and doing my best to lay a great foundation for the true identity and nature of God. And hopefully this will help you and set you up for dealing with some scriptures that you may have found difficult in the past. There's always going to be more scriptures, but like I said in the one teaching, if you've got a whole paper in front of you, imagine it's a white paper, there's a little piece on the top that's folded over. Don't focus on the little piece of paper on the top that's folded over that you don't understand yet. There's scriptures I don't understand yet. But what I know is from what I do know about God and the scriptures I do understand, and since believing these truths about the radical goodness of God and the radical understanding of sovereignty of God and our identity as His um, created beings and representative on the earth, since then I've seen way more fruitfulness in my life, in those around me, as well as a greater understanding of the scriptures, and by that I mean the Bible as a whole. And so today we do have to ask and, and end the series by asking the question, so if God is not the one who's doing evil, then what do we do when things go wrong? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you with is everything that we've been sharing and everything I'll share today can't just be mental facts. The desire of, saying, of sharing this with you and the desire of sitting down with you and talking to you like this is that we really need to bring these things into our heart so that it may challenge our relationship with God so that we may grow more confident in our heart towards God as a good father. God is not the author or initiator of evil and bad so good can come. Now we do need to ask this question, of course, what do we do when things go wrong? The answer is not to just sit by and say, God willing, God knows best. Definitely not. 
And these teachings should have set you up to start seeing you have a part to play and you can see success even when things go wrong. So to answer the question what to do when things go wrong, we're just going to look at some reasons things go wrong. First of all, things go wrong because we live in a broken world. I don't know about you, but I know all about things breaking. You know, I have two young children and uh, there's all, there's not always, but relative, there's um, regularly there is something broken in the house. But even if you don't have children, we know about things that break. And not everything that happens is only because the devil is after you. Living like this will never bring any fruit or any peace because it just simply is not the truth. The devil doesn't have that much power. Things break in this world because it gets old and it's made by human hands. Okay, Systems are corrupt and therefore some things can take longer than other things that we had hoped for. For example, paperwork, when we try to apply for visas or when we, we step out knowing that God's called us somewhere and, and there's just frustration with with paperwork because of the corrupt systems. <clears throat> the world also, another reason or proof that the world is broken is that the world is being uh, polluted by human beings, okay? The ground is not rested as God commanded in the scriptures. And so we should actually expect um, that the world would rebel against us and that what we are constantly pumping into the, the atmosphere, what we're constantly um, neglecting, um, as God has dictated it in the word, it does have an effect on the actual world, ground and earth around us. And therefore, we should be careful with these things. Um, but that also explains largely why um, things like earthquakes and, and um, uh, tsunamis and things like that happen. The world wasn't created to experience all of this, all this pollution, and not just physical pollution, but also actually the pollution with blood and murder and and all these things. This is not what the world was created for, okay? So what do we do about these things when things go wrong in this kind of category? Well, you need to realize that it is the way of the world. I'm not saying live in an expectation that everything's going to go wrong. Please don't. That is not the Christian worldview. But however, we do need to also realize and be very realistic about the fact that things are going to go wrong. And so when things go wrong, we don't need to freak out about it. We just need to realize, listen, the world is broken and things go wrong. But I have authority, first of all, and in these kind of situations, I can pray to God for help, for wisdom. Look at James 1 verse 5 with me. It says, oops, my page turned. James 1 verse 5 says this. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What a beautiful promise of God. That is incredible. You see, there are natural things that go wrong. But God says in these natural things, you can ask for help, ask for wisdom, because that's what you need. So a good example of this is friends of ours who got married, they come from different countries. And so when they came to Albania, they really had troubles with trying to get all their documents for their visa application to stay here or residency. And everyone was saying they're going to have to leave the country. They spent time in prayer. The Lord directed them, they asked for wisdom. The Lord directed them to a specific place to go to find out. And within something like half an hour, very little money, the whole thing was sorted out because they got the right person, right paperwork, paid a small amount to get all the stuff done. Um, legally, and it was done. Praise God for his leading. 
But this also explains what to do when a natural disaster happens. For example, earthquakes or these examples. This is not God's hand. God doesn't do this. Please stop telling people that. What can you do when natural disasters hit? If you are in a natural disaster, then make sure you're getting help um, from your church, like what we did when we had the earthquake here. Be together with church. And also, if you're not in it, but you know of it, then go and help. Um, there was a recent um, earthquake in Turkey, and really everything in my heart wanted to go over and help um, there. However, if we can't go, we can also send finances. We can pray for helpers. We can pray for those who are affected by it. As it says in Matthew 5, verse 13. Let's go and look at that quickly. Matthew 5. Look here, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You see, when things like these happen, men do not need to hear, this is the judgment of God, because it is not. When these natural disasters happen, we are the light, we are the salt, we are supposed to bring hope and light and love, just as we see happening um, when there things go wrong in that kind of, um, if I want to call, category. But then the second reason things go wrong is really because it is the devil. There are times in our lives when it really just is the devil. Um, and where he is after something in your life and he is coming to steal, kill or destroy. Now, the good thing is that we have so many scriptures that show us that we are seated far above all principalities and powers. When you are a believer, you have God's spirit living inside of you. You are not under your circumstances. You are above your circumstances. You have authority and you can take up that authority against the devil when he comes to work in your life. How do we identify what is after? Well, it's very good to know what is his end goal? Because he's stealing, killing, and destroying for a reason. It's not just random. What is his end goal? Well, when Jesus tells the parable, the most important parable of the scriptures, says Jesus, um, we see the parable of the sower and the seed. And the very first condition we see there is that the seed is thrown on the hard ground where the pathway is. And if you go and look at Matthew, you'll see when Jesus explains it to his disciples in Matthew 13, verse 19, he says actually what happens. So in the parable, what happens, the sower sows the seed on the hard ground. And what happens is because it was on the hard ground, the birds came and ate up all the seed. But later, the disciples need to know what this all means. And this is what Jesus says in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. Wow. So the seed is the word of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The devil then comes immediately and snatches away that seed that was supposed to be planted in their hearts. Remember in Mark 4 verse 13, Jesus says, if we understand this parable, we will understand them all. The main focus here is that the devil is after stealing the word of God from you. It's not a personal attack. It's an attack against God's word. Why? Because that is how he can open the door to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He can come at you only when you don't know and understand the truth of God's word in your heart about who God is. Why do you think I've been teaching so strongly the last few weeks on the true nature of God? Because when we understand it, when we believe it, when we can see it, it sets us up against any attack 
from the enemy because we can rely on and depend on the goodness of God in any example. So if we don't know the truth about what God's word says and who God is when it refers to or gets to our house, our provision, our purpose, our family life, um, our future, any of those things, when we don't know God's will about these things, then we are open to be destroyed on these areas. Why? Because we simply don't know and understand what God's will is in these areas. And the enemy can come in through situations, come steal what we do know, and then they do the rest, steal, kill, and destroy. So what do we do in these situations? First of all, we know God through his word and through his spirit. That means baptism in the Holy Spirit, many people call it, but it means that you are awakened and alive. You've been born again, and now you can pray in your spiritual language. We see here that Jesus' temptation, or the perfect example of this is actually Jesus' temptation. When we look at the temptation, we see in Matthew 4 that he withstood the enemy, the attack of the enemy, because he understood God's word. The devil comes and he comes against God's word. He kind of quotes God's word, misquotes, but he quotes God's word to Jesus. But Jesus understood something greater than just the words written on the paper. He understood the heart behind those words. He understood God in a personal, relational way, just as we can today, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4 verse 17. So we can understand God as well as Jesus did. Boom, there's a revelation for you. I'm blessed by that. And he understood God in a way that could he could take the scriptures and resist the attack of the enemy. He understood more than the words. He understood the heart of the Father. Another thing we can do is to pray regularly. And also pray, you can pray against the attack of the enemy. And you can stand up and resist it. 1 Peter 5 or 6 to 9 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. That's powerful. Cast your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Then it says, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience says of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You see, beloved, the victory is not in our fighting. The victory is in our standing. When we know who we are in God, when we know and we're 100% sure in our salvation as a gift from God and not based on works, we can be sure to resist the devil. He may come at you with attacks, but you can be sure to have the final victory. If we know God by his word, if we know him for who he is through the spirit, we can see victory every time. We can resist him by casting our cares upon God and not going after the lack we see, the answers we see, oh, this will meet that need. But actually going after God, going, no, I lack nothing. Colossians 2 verse 10, for I am complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. When we stand like that, we can go to our experiences, we can go to our circumstances, and we can stand as Jesus stood, firm in our faith, knowing our Father, and see total victory in every situation. What an encouragement. You see, if the devil can make us doubt our salvation, okay, that it's not secure, 
That is, it's based on some form of work. If he can start letting you think that you lack something, that you're not complete, that Jesus is not enough, then he can make you believe anything. Why? Because he can get you to start living in a constant self-aware, a constant state of self-awareness instead of a constant state of God-awareness and what he has done for us. So that's the second reason things go wrong. So I'll share with you two more things. And I, I'm sure this will bless you as well to see this. The sin of others and the, the sinful actions in our lives can cause things to go wrong. Listen carefully. You are completely 100% forgiven. You and you became a born again believer. God put his spirit in you and you stand before God completely forgiven, whole and well. You stand before him as chosen and perfect, clean, and your sinful nature has been removed. You stand one with God, holy and sanctified. You can read so many scriptures about this. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing like that in scripture. It's the tradition of man. You were a sinner. Now you're a saint. You've been born again. You have been redeemed. However, even in that state, we still sin. We do sinful actions. So when we sinful, we have sinful actions. We are still secure in our salvation. We don't lose our salvation. We don't lose our relationship with God. The Spirit doesn't leave us. But we do stupid things. Why? Because we need to renew our mind, as it says in Romans 12. We need to renew our mind so that we can be transformed into who we are. So we are the sons of God. Now we become the sons of God. But it is absolutely 100% true that our bad decisions and our sinful mistakes can open the door for the devil. So what do we do when it's our own mistakes and our bad things? Things. Well, let me rather say it like this. What do we do when we know that there are things that's holding on to our life because we're choosing not to listen to where God is leading us? But also, what do we do when we know God is leading us somewhere? And it's not that it's sin, but we're just not listening to where God is leading us. So it's not just turning away from that which is wrong, but it's also going towards that which God is leading us to. What happens there? Well, mostly this happens because we really don't believe in the goodness of God. If we believed in the goodness of God, then we would simply go where he asks us to go without even asking questions. So many good examples in scripture of this. But also, if we do believe in the goodness of God, why would we sin? You know, if you are sinning and trapped in a cycle of sin, please do just realize you are not trapped. That is an unrenewed mind that believes that you cannot break free from this. It is clear from scripture that we need to realize that we are now in Christ. We are free from sin. We do not need to sin anymore. Why? Jesus didn't sin. His life is now in you. You have the power over sin. If you are struggling with something where you really feel addicted to that thing and you know God is saying to you, this is not who you are, then I would say repent with a trusted Christian friend in church, a leader or a friend who you can trust. Tell them, bring it to light so that they can pray with you and walk you through it. Because you do not need to remain in any form of sinful action. You don't need to stay there. It definitely is a killer. It's never private. It always has a public effect because it affects our heart. It affects our hearts. And so do speak to a church leader and let them lead you, pray for you and lead you through it. But also, 
realize above everything that you are freed from the power of sin and the dominion of sin. And you are now a son of God and you belong to the beloved Jesus. That's your identity. That's who you are. Now, speaking about sin, sometimes our lives can be affected in uh, in a negative way because of the bad decisions of someone else. Someone else's sin can affect your life. You know, um, for example, uh, someone who drinks, gets in a vehicle and causes an accident. Um, um, those people who are in the accident, they did not decide to take dr- to drink too much and take the steering wheel and drive. But the driver who did decide to drink, he was the one who made the mistake. But the other people are affected. This can another ba- example of this can be the bad decisions of a parent can affect their children. Okay, what do we do with these kind of things? Well, again, make prayer part of your daily life, listening to God as he directs your life. So many times when things have gone wrong in my life, if I look back, I realize there was either a prompting of God leading me not to go there that day, or if I listen to other people's stories many, 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 many times, you hear that they were, God was sending them through, the, through their heart, speaking to them, telling them, don't go there, don't be there, or go here, go there, leading them away from that situation. I know for myself, there's been many times where I just didn't realize it was the voice of God, and therefore I didn't listen to that prompting. You know, if we make prayer a part of our daily life, praising God in prayer, and speaking to God, but then being quiet and listening to God, then we start, it becomes a second nature to us to listen to God's voice. So that when there is something we need to know now, immediately, God can speak and we can hear and follow his direction. And so another thing when it comes to those who have done wrong things where their sinful actions has affected our lives is to learn to forgive quickly. Your new nature is you are a forgiver. It's who you are. In Colossians 3 verse 12 to 13, it's very beautifully put. It says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's your identity, chosen, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. Now, I realize there might be opportunities where we we just take offense and we get offended and it's a small thing and you realize now, oh, I got offended. I need to forgive. Father, I thank you. I forgive and I let it go completely. Forgiving is as much letting go as it is forgetting Okay, it is not saying what was done was right, but forgiveness, true forgiveness, when it is done through the power of Jesus in you, and when you rely on his spirit to set you free, you should be completely free, even to the degree that you can lose that sting of what happened with you. This is a personal testimony for me in my life. And if you're struggling to forgive someone, maybe not because of a small offense, but because of big, massive offensive offenses, once again, speak to your leaders, contact us, let's pray with you and walk you through forgiving because it is cliche, but it is true. It's uh, the saying that says to drink poison and think someone else is going to die. That is the effect of 
unforgiveness. But the effect of forgiving, I personally can testify so much about this, of big offenses and small offenses, is that you set your life up to walk in the glory of God, free from fear, free from oppression and depression, and set yourself and your future up to glorify God, represent God, and look whole and well as He wanted you to be from the beginning. Okay? Last reason things go wrong in our lives is actually because we follow God. You know, this world, the more we live and the longer we live, the longer we will see, this world is not pro-God. Um, and so, because we follow God, there will be times when we will be persecuted for the things of God. Not because we're doing something wrong, but actually because we are doing something right. There are people who testify about losing friends because they choose their faith, losing spouses because they choose their faith, losing jobs and finances, and even some, even till today, who, loses, who lose their life because of being persecuted for believing that Jesus is Lord and following him. Now, you don't lose your partner just because you come to faith in Christ. I must say that. You love your partner. But there are times partners have walked out because one of them did start believing Jesus is Lord. Now, when you, for example, step out among your friends or, or wherever, and you become more bold because of what you believe, some might call you religious and crazy and old-fashioned. How can you believe things like that? You could lose friends. Some of us might even experience, like when, we, when I was single, and even if you're single, that you might need to wait a bit longer for the partner that you are waiting for, simply because you are following God and you are not willing to settle for anything less than what God has for you. This is the truth. Um, and another thing that happens is that because we step out and follow God, things might start going wrong. Look at Paul's life. Oh, my word. Things definitely was not always um, perfect in his life. He went through storms and beatings and persecution of extreme measures. And yet he said, in all these things, I rejoice. So what should we do in these situations? Praise God. Philippians 4 verse 4 to 6 was, or 4 and 6. It was written by Paul himself and he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isn't this wonderful? For if this is happening for the sake of you stepping out and sharing the gospel, then you are experiencing exactly what Jesus did, and you are following in your Savior's footsteps. Rejoice. That's in John 15, verse 20, where Jesus says, A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Another thing you can do about persecution is also please to pray for wisdom and use it. Pray for strength to endure and keep your eyes on Jesus. But also when we are persecuted, let it be for the fact that we actually are doing the things of God and not because we are foolishly doing the things of God. Small story about that. Um, I don't know what country exactly they were from, but um, one of the Christian countries went to China a few years ago and decided that they are Christian and they're going to step out and they would not hide their Christian faith. And they arrived at the airport um, with big mar uh, letters on their shirts saying, we love Jesus. They were promptly asked to leave the airport and go back to where they came from. That is not wisdom. That's not persecution. That is just a lack of wisdom. Okay, so um, yeah, 
Sometimes we're persecuted because we are not wise. <laughs> so pray for wisdom. But above all this, beloved, what do I want you to take away with you today? What do I want you to take with you in this week? Not that things will go wrong. Not that, no. What I want you to take away from this today is one, that you can do something when things go wrong. You don't just have to say, what is that? Say love you, say love you. Whatever will be, will be. No, 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 that's not our Christian philosophy. Not at all. Go with me to Romans. Romans. Romakave. Did you know that's the way we say it in Albanian? Or, well, the way I say it in Albanian. <laughs> Romans 8. I'm going to look at verse 37. From verse 37. Look at Paul's encouragement. But in all these things, I want to add there, Beloved, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, are you convinced, beloved, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Listen, nor any other created thing. Uh, where am I now? <laughs> Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be confident, beloved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rejoice. Be happy. Your Father is for you. Your God loves you, and He's not the author of evil. He's the author of good. He's a life giver, a purpose giver, and he wants to give this to you. He's a future giver. He's a now giver. He is the hope giver. He is the reason we rejoice. For he has sent his son, his only son, whom he loved, to die for us and to rise. He rose him from the dead three days later and declared, this is enough. I am satisfied with you. You are my beloved. You are the one I care for. If I love you so much that I would give you this precious gift of salvation, how much more, not all other things. I may this encourage you. And Father, we thank you for who you are. And as we draw this series to a close, thank you that it's given us enough to continue growing in your word, to continue growing in your friendship to continue learning who you are, Father. If there are people here who's listening to this and they realize they've really been struggling with something, Father, I pray that they will reach out to you and reach out to others who believe so that they may become whole and so that they may experience the fullness and the joy of knowing you as their personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for who you are. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.